Hello everyone and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host Ryan and joining me this week is my guest co-host Travis. How's it going Travis? Hey Ryan, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. And uh, quickly before we get into it, I just want to give some quick good thoughts and support for Jocelyn as she's taking a week off here and uh, thanks to her for having me back on as well. Yes, of course, yes. Thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, all the all the good vibes and support to Jocelyn. Um, she will be back, uh, not next week, but the week after. Next week is kind of a, it's a, it's a busy week. So uh, we will we will be having a guest on next week. Uh, and uh, Jocelyn will return the week after that, where we will likely chat about her thoughts of uh, catching up on uh, all the Nintendo announcements and and all the money she has to give Nintendo for Zelda, including that extra <laughs> ten bucks, um, so that they remove uh, weapon breaking. I think that's the reason they, they said, "Well, if we're taking out weapon breaking, then you're gonna have to pay an extra ten bucks." And everyone was like, "Sold, no yeah, problem." Got it. Got to handle extra resources to to change the code for that. Yeah, exactly. I think everyone's wallet's gonna be hurting a little bit after that direct today. So, <laughs> yeah, and we will talk about that in in great detail, including the uh, the the feverish back and forth in our event dads chat as we figure out now how can we all subscribe <laughs> to the family plan and how much is it going to cost and who needs what accounts and all that fun stuff. So, uh, lots of good Nintendo fun. That's why we delayed a day. Normally we record on Tuesdays. We're recording fresh off of the Nintendo direct hype to talk about all the different Nintendo games that are getting expansion passes. Everyone gets an expansion pass. That's what we're doing. Uh, so yeah. Um, Travis, now being the guest, I'd like to start with you because you've got some fun projects up your sleeve when it comes to video games, uh, including a return to <laughs> Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Did they fix the Miss Marvel bug? Uh, that's what we all want to know. Oh, you know what? <laughs> of all things, I kind of forgot to check and I can't oh. believe that because I, I mained, um, I mained Ms. Marvel for the longest time when we were getting ready for the event ads events. Um, but actually I, I can kind of get into why that happened um, with, with my forgetting to, uh, to check it. Um, so I had been talking to, to whirlwind in the discord about this a lot. And he and I have kind of become uh, co-op buddies, I guess over the last six months or so trying some different co-op games together. And uh, he's also, he's also turned me into a bit of a trophy hunter, which kind of changes the way that you play those games to some extent. And, uh, you know, the, the announcement came out recently that Marvel's Avengers is going to be um, shutting down support come, I think, September. And some things are changing at the end of March as well. And uh, he proposed that we go back in and just finish off that platinum before the servers go down and we're not able to do it anymore. So we jumped back in a couple of weeks ago and have uh, had some grindy multiplayer trophies to try and to try and snag and we thought well you know this will be better with with people with more uh, more fun with friends and have a great time with that and uh we started in we played one night together and then found oh well this trophy's not popping what's going on here and oh this experience isn't great what what's going on here um so we went to our friend the google machine and it turns out that despite this being a co-op game primarily or at least marketed as a co-op game, a lot of the trophies don't work when you play online multiplayer. Uh, so we we ended up reverting to uh, 
just sitting on chat and each of us playing our own instance of the game instead of playing co-op together, which is kind of crazy because things like, like one of the trophies is um, you have to do 50 hive missions, which is pretty crazy as it is. And uh, we found out that like the counter doesn't work if you're playing in co-op or it might only work for one of you. And rather than doing 50 missions and then realizing after having done 50 missions that uh, it wasn't counting you know, some of them, um, we didn't want to risk that. <laughs> we ended up just playing, playing solo and, uh, and talking about what was going on. So crazy experience. I totally intended to, um, to have one of us do Ms. Marvel, but when, uh, when we weren't actually playing together, that fell off and we wouldn't have been able to, um, to really see that animation because if I remember correctly, she animates just fine for whoever's playing her. It's only whenever you're doing the online portion, um, everyone else sees her just kind of skating around in T-pose instead of animating properly. So and if you come to think of it, I actually, I think I just uninstalled it too. I got like 150 gigs back on my hard drive by uninstalling it. Um, otherwise I would say I'd hop on and check and, and get back to you, but I don't know. <laughs> Not re-downloading it for that. Well, wow. Um, you finished it and you went, you went hard. You just like delete, you remove from hard drive, no longer well, needed. <laughs> I mean, I had been saving it um, in case we wanted to play again or do more group sessions at some point. And uh, I just sort of figured that's not going to happen now that they're <laughs> closing the servers. But it's it's such a big game. It takes up so much space. Um, I was like, I need to... I could have this installed or I could have like five other games. Um, so I just went ahead and un uninstalled it. I thought we're probably probably done with this one. Yeah. Um, I think because didn't they... So they did a next generation not update, but they did a next generation version. So it had to be on the main drive, which is usually how you'll save space on the main drive. Because uh, if it's a previous generation game, it can, it can have the enhancements of the advanced hardware, but still run off of an external drive. Right. Um, but yeah, because it's, because it's a, it's a technically a current generation game when they upgraded it, it has to be on the main drive. So you're playing, um, yeah, 120 gigabytes. That's that's like more than that's almost 15 percent of your of your PlayStation Five uh, uh, internal drive, which is a lot. You know, that's a it's a good chunk of memory for Avengers. And I remember really enjoying that game, and and even jumping back in for some of the new heroes that were added, like uh, um, Thor that was added with uh, with uh, Love and Thunder that came out last year, and um, Obviously, Spider-Man gets... Yeah, I didn't really like Spider-Man. I think that was kind of the beginning of the end because it was like, well, if you're going to make Spider-Man exclusive, it, it better be like the best edition ever. And it, it really wasn't. That's um, not, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really liked the Black Panther expansion they did. I thought that was like, okay, maybe we've got something here. But I think looking back, maybe they should have charged for that Black Panther expansion. Like maybe... Mm -hmm. 10, 15 bucks to access the, the extra content. I think that probably would have been maybe better for the game's, you know, longevity. I think like solely relying on cosmetics, um, probably was not a probably, well, obviously didn't work. Um, <laughs> you know, cause they're, the game is they're shutting expensive down. too. I mean, they're, they're not the cheapest, um, skins and cosmetics that you're going to find in that game. A lot of them, um, I mean, there there are a lot of campy kind of funny or um, 
you know, goofy humor related skins that they have. Um, and you know, they are what they are and they look good, but the, like the MCU ones look great. Um, the, the higher end skins, they really did do a nice job on them. Um, but again, it's just like, do I really want to spend 15 or $20 on to, to make black widow look a little bit more like the MCU black widow? Not really. Um, but they, I mean, it is, um, the aesthetics and design of the game, like it really does look good. The character models look pretty good. They're not the MCU characters like we've we've all talked about a lot. But um, yeah, it's a shame. I think it was a fun game. Um, I, I had a great time doing the event ads events and, and playing co-op with you guys. The single player campaign was great, um, but some of the some of the post game content, I think, really could have used a little bit more, uh, a little bit more love, and uh, and obviously bug trophies and things like that are just, um, and more, the main character not animating properly <laughs> in uh, in multiplayer for a year and a half or however long it was that we noticed that, um, you know, things like that really should have maybe been given a little bit more attention rather than um, having to update more skins to try and uh, try and keep the servers running and keep the game afloat. So yeah, it's a shame. It was a fun game. Um, had a good time with it, but I'm, I think I'm ready to be done with it at the same time, especially after the the grind that I did over <laughs> the last, last week or so 50 hives, man, that's a lot. That <laughs> is a lot. I don't even think I did one. So you are 50 times stronger than I, um, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game, too. When we played it, uh, the multiplayer was was a good chunk of fun. And, you know, the game is not necessarily like, I think, going anywhere that although like the chances of it going down for good post September 30th is very strong. Like, I think they are yeah. they're going to keep the servers running as long as possible. But they are like saying we are not touching this game after the 30th. So if things break, it is highly likely they won't be fixed. And um, there is there is an offline mode, right? But I think the game is still tied quite a bit to the servers. Um, I, I don't think the game exists in like a true offline mode, right? Like it. I think yeah. they're they're changing it, or they're they're making some adjustments. I, I know, and and I should say this too for anyone who wants to jump in, or anyone that wants to go back in for a second experience, sometime in March. I forget exactly when the up um, the update is going live, but all of the skins and all of the cosmetics are going to be free um, between March and and September, whenever they end support, and I, and I assume after that as well. But they, um, I think the the comments said something like. They're trying to uh, to make it as complete and as accessible offline as possible, but the uh, the subtext to me came across as like no promises. Like we'll do our best, but it might not all be here. Um, you might not have access to everything, and you know, and we're not putting more money into it, especially after September when we, uh, you know, we end support. So I, I agree with you. And uh, talking to Whirlwind, he he had a similar response that it seems likely that after September, at some point, it's it's probably going to go down entirely. But we'll see. Um, it was a fun. It was a fun run, uh, and it uh, we were able to do some good with it for uh, for extra life and help uh, help some good causes with that too. So definitely, um, you know, raise a glass to Avengers or, or however you want to say it. It's uh, it was a good time while it lasted. Yes, very much so, very much so. Now, Avengers is not the only game that you and Whirlwind went on an adventure with, right? You went, you you killed Chaos, maybe. We certainly, we certainly tried to kill Chaos. Uh, I, I don't want to get into any spoilers as to uh, what does or doesn't happen to Chaos uh, or, or 
how things go in the game. But yes, as you're alluding to, we did go through and play Stranger of Paradise, uh, Final Fantasy Origin. Um, and that was a game I I should start by saying that I was really hard on the game whenever it was first announced. I had this kind of like, ugh, this is not my Final Fantasy. That was kind of my reaction to it when they showed it. Um, because I, I'm a longtime fan of uh, of the Final Fantasy series. I've played and finished all of the so many caveats to explain um, all of the mainline non multiplayer games. So one through one through thir- no one through ten, skipped eleven, twelve, and all of the thirteens and fifteen I've played, um, which is kind of crazy to say or try to explain, but. Um, yeah, to see them take it to an action game, I was I was a little skeptical. Um, the setting was is much darker than a lot of the other Final Fantasy games, and I just really wasn't feeling it. And of course, the all the memes with the you know the chaos, let's go chaos, I'm here to kill chaos, very one track mind. Um, but having played it, I will say it's actually a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Um, so I give them credit. Um, I, I would recommend it for. Anyone that wants to give it a shot, but they're on the fence, especially if you can play a co-op because um, whirlwind, like you said, whirlwind and I had a really good time with it. There are a couple of sections that you have to play single player, um, which like particularly at the end of the campaign, um, which I thought that was a really odd design choice um, to kind of take this game that excels with with multiplayer and then force you to do solo portions of it. Um, but I had a really good time with it. Um, it, it is very campy and very tongue in cheek. And there are times there are times when it's not clear whether that's intentional or not. So maybe that's something you'll really enjoy or that might be something you'll really hate, um, depending on your attitude and expectations going in. But I did find um, as a longtime Final Fantasy fan, there are a lot of little Easter eggs and references to other other entries in the series um so things like that are really cool if you're a fan you'll you might get a little bit extra out of it um and it is it did end up being a lot of fun seeing um these sort of repeat enemies like tonberries and cactuars and uh and bombs and things like that seeing them in an action setting as opposed to just the the typical turn-based rpg uh combat style it was kind of a, a different way to realize these recurring creatures and it was it was a lot of fun to see as a as a fan and uh yeah i've said it a few times already but i had a had a good time with it and i think uh whirlwind did as well and would definitely recommend it for for a co-op um a co-op run if you've got a good co-op partner uh to give give that one a try or just if you're a fan of the final fantasy universe and want to see a little bit more about um I guess how chaos came to be and and what happened before Final Fantasy One. That's sort of the backdrop for for the whole story, right? Because this is a prequel to the first Final Fantasy, right? Is that the idea? It it is, yeah. So the, the whole story it centers around. Um, so <laughs> spoilers for a thirty year old game. Um, you know, the the main what? antagonist of uh, of Final Fantasy One is chaos. So this kind of deals with a little bit of like how chaos came to power and what, what chaos is and things like that. Um, it deals with, um, the, the heroes, they're called the, the, the light warriors or warriors of light or some version of that, depending on which version of final fantasy one you're playing. So it deals with, um, the, the kingdom that's waiting for these prophecy, the prophet, 
prophesied, I guess, light warriors to show up. Um, and then you, you play as Jack and a couple other, a couple other buddies who show up, um, and you're not pretending to be them, but you're, you're suggesting that you might be, which is, which is kind of this fun way to set everything up. Uh, and the King immediately is like, but there's only three of you and the prophecy says there's four, so it can't be you. Um, <laughs> and you've kind of got this chip on your shoulder. Like it, it can still be me. Like I want to prove that it's me. I'm here to kill chaos for God's sake. That's what I do. That's all I talk about is killing chaos. Um, and now this King is going to get in my way and tell me I can't kill chaos, man. That's not right. So that's kind of the setup. Um, and it's this story of trying to figure out if you are the light warriors or what your role is in the prophecy. And uh, without getting too much into spoilers, I, I will say that uh, the whole I'm here to kill chaos, let's kill chaos thing. Um, they actually do have a story or a narrative reason for for Jack to be like that. So while it is kind of goofy and funny and hard uh, hard pill to swallow from time to time they do at least try to develop some reason for that to be to be a thing and part of the narrative so at least at least there's that if it's hard for you just um just know that there's a reason for it uh, whether it's a good reason or not i'll let that be up to you but they do try to develop that as part of the story interesting okay but you know not to not to circle back to the start of this conversation but you mentioned this is a prequel to final fantasy one the bad guy in Final Fantasy One is Chaos. I mean, it sounds like you don't kill Chaos, to be honest. Or maybe you like... Is it like a thousand years sleep kind of thing? Like, you know, Legend of Zelda, we defeated Ganon, but don't worry, he's just taking a really long nap. Um, <laughs> I think the Zelda timeline is probably more convoluted than Final Fantasy. That's something I didn't expect <laughs> that's to say. That's saying something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. I did not expect to, to think about that tonight. Um, so the, the story of final fantasy one, the original story, uh, revolves around a time loop, um, and chaos and fiends, uh, elemental fiends coming and going through a time loop and, and trying to accomplish, uh, you know, do what fiends do, I guess, and take over the world to wreak havoc and things like that cause chaos, no pun intended. Um, and the time loop plays a part here. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of a, a good way to ambiguously answer your question of how can he, if your goal is to kill chaos, how can he still be the villain in final fantasy one? If you kill him, does that mean you don't achieve your goal or, uh, why is he still around? And I guess that's kind of the best way I can leave it open is to just say there's, there are, there's a time loop in play and there are some other mechanics that get involved in kind of, make things you wouldn't think are possible possible right now i know the final fantasy uh, especially the original ones that came out i think on the nes and and whatnot i think the way they released in north america the numbers were a little bit moved around i, I can't remember if final fantasy one which would be the true sort of re related game to the to this uh to, to strangers of paradise is that the one that came over in the states because i remember playing i didn't play it on the nes but i remember playing the re-release on gba um they had a final fantasy one plus two but i couldn't remember if like that was the legit final fantasy one and two or if it was like if north because i know there's some differences between the north american release and it might not even be one and two it might be like post one and two or uh, now i'm now i'm saying it like final fantasy north america 
So let's see. I'm pretty sure. Well, obviously, this is probably just going to bring up a lot of like Final Fantasy 14 stuff, which it did, which is not helpful. <laughs> so um, to it is a complicated release schedule. Um, Final Fantasy One is the same in North America and Japan. Right. Okay. Um, what North America called Final Fantasy Two, which was the Super Nintendo game, um, it centered around uh, Dark Knight. Uh, paladin and a uh, and a dragoon type character um that was actually final fantasy 4 so 2 and 3 were japan only for a long time and then 5 was japan only so 1 2 and 3 in the states are actually 1 4 and 6 oh um, <laughs> which is kind of like i said it's a little bit convoluted um, and that's why we went from in North America, we went from Final Fantasy three to Final Fantasy seven and everyone's mind was blown. Like, wait a minute. How do what? Why is this seven? Like, we just had three. I, I, what happened to the other the other ones in the middle here? Um, oh, I didn't know that. OK, yeah. Yeah. So the first time um, I'm not familiar with the GBA collection, the first time that I'm aware of the actual Final Fantasy two coming to America was a PS one collection. Uh, I think it was called Final Fantasy Origin, and that's, I guess, confusing when coupled with the Stranger of Paradise uh, discussion. But uh, it was a PS1 collection. It had a, uh, not a remake, but a PS1 version of Final Fantasy 1 and 2. Uh, and then th actual Final Fantasy 3 or Japanese Final Fantasy 3 came over on the DS or the 3DS at one point. Um, I think that's the first time I'm aware of it being here, but yeah, and that, that was all, well, like I said, it was a DS game. So that would have been well after, um, probably after seven came out in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So this is, so I remember this, uh, final fantasy one and two dawn of souls. It was a, it was a compilation and I guess it was, uh, it was the original one and two. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think that one, I could be wrong. I so many subtitles. I thought that was a PSP collection, but I could be wrong about that. Anyway, um, it it doesn't matter. Uh, no, so it's Final, not Final, at all Fantasy, yeah, Final Fantasy 1 is the same either way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so in, in context of the conversation of Strangers of Paradise, uh, it's all good. If you played the GBA version, if you played the NES version, if you played the the uh, uh, PlayStation version, you're you're all set. You're still confused how they got to Final Fantasy VII out of out of the blue, but or even um, the uh, Pixel Remaster also is the the most recent release yes. of them, uh, and those are those are quite good if anyone's interested in uh, picking up the Final Fantasy series. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm glad you uh, you got a chance to play Stranger of Paradise. It, it seems like that one got a bad rap for and even i am guilty of it saying like oh you, did you kill chaos like it got a bad rap for the dialogue and um it's team ninja is it not like it's it's a more it action is. focused game yeah yeah i uh i like the team ninja games i remember um i think they were ninja gaiden as well uh if i recall correctly and i played i played all of those i'm terrible at them but <laughs> It is it is difficult. Um, and I've also I've kind of developed a bit of a rep in the uh, in the discord as being like one of the souls guys or a souls player, however. Um, and it gets compared to that a lot. And I, I think those comparisons are fair. Um, there are some differences. And if I were being very picky, I would not call it a souls like but that's that's as like, 
as someone that plays a lot of those games um, and can pick out like really specific details about why they are how they are. Um, those are not present in in uh, Stranger Paradise. There are some pretty core differences. However, it is challenging combat. Um, it is very dodge parry, um, you know, block uh, very little forgiveness as far like you can only take two or three hits before you go down, that kind of thing. Um, so it, it is a challenging game. Um, it's faster paced than the Souls games for the most part. Uh, I, I would it's more of an action game than than the Souls games are, but it, it has that sort of challenge and it does use a similar bonfire type mechanic. Um, but yeah, so I, I will say that again. I like I said, I sort of recommended it, but I should do so with the caveat that it, it is a challenging game and you should know that that's what you're getting into before you just go out and buy it on a whim. Um, what else was I going to say about it? The Team Ninja and it being it is a more action, a more action centric game. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, that's uh, so Strangers of Paradise. And did you get the platinum? I, I don't know if you mentioned that already. We did. So if you are a trophy hunter or someone who's into doing the platinum thing, uh, it was about 35 hours, the whole thing, start to finish. So it's pretty reasonable as far as time. Um, it was respectable, respectful of your time and what it asks you to do. Um, and I, I don't think there was anything that we did that was overly grindy or unfun. Um, so it's definitely very obtainable. And as I said before, more fun with a friend. And and like it, you had mentioned being guilty of giving it um, giving it a bad rep for for some of the dialogue and things like that. Um, as much as I've said, I enjoyed this game. You are right. The dialogue is not good. Um, that's something that's something you're going to deal with. I'm not going to defend that. Um, but I, I will say I was really hard on it in the beginning as well um, and didn't think I was going to like it, but I did end up having a pretty good time with it. So if you can if you can get past that or if you can play it with the mindset that you would go see a B movie in and just sort of take it for what it is, uh, you can have a really good time with it. Cool. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, I think it was a game I was I was interested in. And like I said, I, I like Team Ninja's like combat style and stuff. And I think playing through it for, I mean, everyone was making fun of the dialogue and that's like, you know what? I don't mind incredibly cheesy dialogue in my video games. Like sometimes like that's part of the fun, especially right. if it's a fun game, you know, like when you're playing uh, like Fire Emblem, oh, well, Fire Emblem Engage, like playing that one, it, it's, you know, the dialogue's not going to win any awards, <laughs> but it is kind of funny when, you know, characters like, uh, as you heard when Jim was on the show last, uh, you know, characters have like taglines and stuff and they all have their own personalities. And, you know, not every game needs to be winning awards for best writing. You know, um, we already have a lot of those games and mm -hmm. sometimes it's nice to have a fun, silly experience. So that's really and that's cool. that's a good way to look at this. That's kind of what it was for me. It's the turn your brain off and, and just have a good fun or a good. Yeah. Really a good fun time. Um, that's the type of game that it was for me. Cool. Well, you know what? Speaking of turning your brain off and having a really good fun time, hi-fi rush. Uh, you know, it is a, it is such a fun game, honestly. Uh, so we talked a little bit about it a couple of weeks ago when it shadow dropped and I taught Crofton how, uh, how shadow dropping a game works um, but he played Hi-Fi Rush. We touched on it a little bit, but I, I've had a good chunk of time with it now. 
And uh, this is the the game that's been created by um, uh, I think it's called Tango Software, Tango Tango Works or something. And they they made Ghostwire Tokyo uh, last year. They are they are a studio under the Bethesda and and obviously under the the, uh, the Microsoft branch. But uh, I want to see if I can get the, I want to get their name right. So it's. Um, yeah, so Hi-Fi Rush is the game, and it's basically like it's a it's a rhythm action game um, that has a very distinct style. Uh, it kind of feels a lot like a Saturday morning cartoon style, like the way they've set up this animation, both in the three D and two D animation sequences. They kind of switch back and forth for their cutscenes. The cutscenes are in two D, sort of like. Um, more of a, a, a traditional Saturday morning cartoon. And then, you know, the gameplay obviously is in 3D. Um, but it's it's Tango Gameworks uh, under Bethesda. And this was put out on Game Pass, and it's available to purchase on Steam. Uh, it's a $40 game, Canadian. So it's a, I wouldn't call it like, yeah, it's a budget title, right? It's, it's 50% off what you would normally pay for a new game, which would be $80 here in Canada. But I'm playing it on Game Pass, no surprises there, and playing it on my Xbox Series X. And essentially the idea is that music is like literally implanted into your main character. Uh, he goes through this uh, process, um, what's called Project Armstrong, to to have, he has a, 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 he gets his arm replaced with a robot arm, and then in the process, like his iPod with that still has <laughs> a headphone jack on it gets uh gets thrown into the process and and accidentally gets uh, implanted into his heart or something so he so he has rhythm uh unlike me i have no rhythm and i know like a lot of people are asking like okay if it's a rhythm action game obviously it's all all of it is time to the beat everything's time to the beat your action uh your combat um uh your some of the mini games that pop up it all has to do with the beat of the music. Um, but I think this is the difference between this game and a lot of other rhythm action games is like this one has like a lot of wiggle room for folks like me who are not like specifically 100% on point when it comes to rhythm. You know, uh, it can be super frustrating, especially these days with all of the equipment that we have in our entertainment systems, whether it's a soundbar or an or a 4K television with HDR and blah, 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 blah. It all adds latency to the experience. This isn't like when we were playing on our tube televisions with the with the RCA or whatever, where it was like there was, there was not a lot of perceivable latency, right? It was a direct connection to the television. But now we have a lot of stuff in between the console and the final image, um, which can make rhythm games uh, break, frankly. And I don't know about you, Travis, but I have never been good at getting those calibration tools to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, calibration, I feel like it's always it's always a challenge. Um, yeah. It doesn't matter what, what the setting is. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, to get those calibration tools to work, you have to have rhythm, which again, goes back to my original point of having no rhythm. Therefore, I can't even calibrate the damn game. Um, <laughs> but I'll say this, though, the calibration in Hi-Fi Rush, actually, they do it, they do it a little bit differently. And I'm not going to go into detail on it because like, it's super in the weeds but i i even found that to be like really intuitive and and didn't um like it was visualized in a way where it didn't make me feel like is this the latency that's but that's causing this issue or is this just me not being able to hit the button when it thinks i should be hitting the button you know 
Uh, so, you know, they've done a lot of work here to address that big issue, which is like, not everyone is going to be good at a rhythm action game, you know, and I think they've, they've done a great job. There's a lot of difficulty sliders and all those difficulty sliders, depending on what you're playing on, give you more of a window to hit your beats in both combat and the mini games. Um, and it's all combo based. So you've got your light attack on the X button. You've got your heavy attack on the Y button. The difference being you have to hit them on the beat to get, um, bonus damage. So you can be completely off your beat, um, and still do damage. But in order for combos to work, you do have to actually hit them on the beats. The light attack is one beat. The heavy attack is two beats. So you hit the button, you wait a beat. If this, if it's a heavy attack, you wait a beat. And then you go into your next button for the combo. If it's a light attack, you just hit them. It's just one beat for each of those attacks. And you can kind of do combos like that. You can do air combos. You can jump up in the air. You can juggle enemies. Um, There is some additional uh, power-ups and stuff. Like you can get like super moves that you build up a meter. And you can use them once your meter's filled. You have side characters you can bring in on combo hits. As well as just randomly. And then they have abilities of their own that augment the combat. So for example, one of the characters you bring in, she has uh, uh, pistols and those pistols can break shields. So every time you see a character with a shield, you know, okay, I need to bring um, Peppermint in here to break the shield. Uh, So that again, like now I'm like 10 hours into the game. I'm, I'm probably near the end, I feel. And I've got all of this combat options at my disposal and it just makes for a very fun experiences uh, as you're, as you're going through the combat it's all arena based, like you're traversing through the world and, and then you come into this very clearly arena and it's like, okay, yeah, we're going to fight some enemies here. But, um, it's very predictable in that sense, but it it is so much fun playing, playing this game. And, and, uh, again, like I'm not musically inclined, but like, I'm just loving it. The game is also super hilarious. I, I mean, I find it funny again. It's like Saturday morning cartoon type humor, uh, and setup and stuff, but like just the animation style. I don't know if you've seen like some of the stuff uh, on Twitter or, uh, or on YouTube, like the way the game will seamlessly transition between its 3d in engine stuff to like the 2d cutscenes and back and forth. It just, it, it looks so cool. Like you should really go check out some of that stuff. Cause, uh, cause like, I don't, I can't even, I can't even think of another game that's quite done anything like this where they, they shift between the two, I guess like maybe, they do it a lot in marketing where you'll have like a 3D game, have like a 2D animation for their marketing. I think Dead Cells does that where they take the style and like seamlessly, you know, adapt it to like a Saturday morning cartoon, mm. you know, uh, hand drawn animation style type thing. But uh, yeah, like Hi-Fi Rush is it's a lot of fun. And, and I know a lot of people were talking about like, oh, the licensed music track is a bit wanting but honestly the licensed music really doesn't come in all that much i think there's been like maybe three songs that i noticed and the rest kind of like blend into the soundtrack a little bit um so that hasn't been like too big a deal like i'm not a big you know i don't need there to be licensed music in in the game it's not distracting i guess it's the best way to way to put it but um yeah, it's a lot of fun. Have you uh, have you had a chance to sort of check this one out? I know I know you have a you have you might not have PC Game Pass because I know we haven't been playing Sea of Thieves, but uh, have you checked this one out yet? 
I haven't, um, and I I don't have any kind of Game Pass at the moment. Um, but I'm looking at some stills of it right now, which I'm sure don't do it justice for the transitions that you're talking about. Um, but I, it, you can definitely see a clear difference between, you know, looking at a still. I can see okay, this is clearly in 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 engine versus this other still that is cl- clearly a, a 2D drawn cutscene or. or in-game still i can't really obviously i can't tell from just looking at the still image um but you can you can see the dichotomy between the two and how you can i mean i can imagine how the transitioning works and it it seems like it would be really cool so i'm definitely going to check out some video footage after uh after we finish up here and see those transitions and and see how that works because the art style looks great it looks um in in particular the in-engine stuff looks super vibrant um just like the colors are really just like popping off of uh right off of the image and then the um the saturday morning cartoon stuff that you mentioned it's a little bit more subdued um from a color palette standpoint but it uh it still looks great and it would be great to see how it moves from from one to the other um i did want to ask you a couple of questions about the music though um so you mentioned licensed tracks is the majority so with you being the literal embodiment of music is there music just going all the time as you're traversing through? And I assume that's all just original tracks. And then occasionally there's a licensed track or how, how does that work? Yeah. So, so there's always music playing, uh, for the most part, it is, it is just like, uh, uh, studio music that, that Tango works is, has put together. And when you, when you do start a level, it'll actually like a music video, you know, have the title, uh, and, and, track info appear in the bottom left corner and um the cool thing is again because your main character chai has this like ipod or zune or whatever like embedded into his chest like he sees the music everywhere in a sense of like everything's moving in the environment you know you have trees that are bopping around to the, around to the music you have um you know traffic cones that are kind of like moving up and down with the music and and where it where it fits they've got like that uh, visualization of the sound levels moving on like window panes and stuff and it's somewhat clear that like only chai is seeing this stuff (laughs) in the sense Mm -hmm. that like it's in his head and he is just this is how he's perceiving the world now that is his heart's been replaced by a by an ipod or something (laughs) and uh yeah the license tracks pop in mostly with boss battles like you'll fight a big boss and that's where they'll pull in um uh, a licensed track i mean it's not it's not licensed it's out of um out of copyright now but like i did i just did a boss battle which used like beethoven's fifth or something so again like that's where they would pull it in and i think uh you know um one of the first songs one of the first track licensed tracks is like the hand that feeds from nine inch nails or something i Mm. think that that might either be a line in the song or that's the title. I don't know. Like I said, music's not my, uh, I listen to it, but ask me a song title. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the title. of the Is song. it? Okay, I, I know. I know the song that you're talking about. I, I'm, I think that's the title, but I'm, I'm not a huge nine inch nails fan. So I, I don't know for sure, but I know, I at least know the song you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, the, the music plays is constantly playing you as the character and the player are seeing that visual representation on screen with like objects kind of moving around to the beat and it's all to the beat. So like the, and I think this is where the visuals come in is like in order to communicate the beats, 
they have as much of the stuff in the environment within reason kind of reacting to the beat. So there is like a little floating, there's like a robot cat that will turn into like a, like a little ball and hover around you as you're, as you're in combat. And there is like a visual, like a pulse of light that goes with Mm. the beat there. But again, like if you happen to be looking somewhere else on the screen, chances are you're going to be seeing something that's reacting to the beat. So no matter where you're looking, you can kind of visually keep track of the beat. And you can also like, um, you can also set up a bar. There's a bar along the bottom. It kind of looks like Guitar Hero a little bit. And it will show you the beat as well and and your button t- timing as well. So if you, re- I didn't enable it. I probably should. Like I said, I'm terrible uh, at hitting the beats. Uh, sometimes <laughs> I get lucky, but um, you can enable this little bar at the bottom uh, that will help you as well to to hit those beats and and um it's all it's all there in 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 the uh, the tutorials and stuff so i i, I kind of know what it looks like but i haven't <laughs> i haven't enabled it but it is something you can also put um in the game if if you need to and you know the only struggle i've had with with hitting uh the button prompts to the beat like i've had no issue with combat that's been fine you know, I've I've hit a few game overs. You know, like uh, in in bo- in battles and bosses, because of because of the combat. But it's never felt like, ah oh, man, I this game's really kicking my butt. But like there there are specific moments. So there's specific moments where you fight like either bosses or or mini bosses where they will like break from the combat, and you have a chance to do like a one hit kill, and you have to hit a sequence of buttons, mm. um in not necessarily the same timing like it changes but it's to the beat so like for example in the for the mini bosses if you fail that you can still just take them out naturally but if in a boss battle if you fail it you you might not be able to finish the boss battle and you'll have to do it again and again Uh, i did hit that issue a little bit because like when you're fighting the boss battle it's like uh you you can parry and um also dodge so like the boss will do like a specific it'll it'll telegraph it it'll show you exactly like okay i'm going to attack you five times and then this is going to be sort of the beat mechanic but like you know it going in and you have to kind of memorize the beat and then hit the buttons with that with that beat so if you don't memorize the beat you might visually be able to hit those parries just based on how the, the animations are working but honestly you're you're better off memorizing the beat and and i did have an issue there i failed uh quite a few mini games uh <laughs> doing that and um that's the only time I felt like the game was kind of punishing in a way. Like again, if you're if you you can't quite remember the beat, and some of the beats are like maybe there's like four or five prompts that you have to hit, but then other times there's like six or seven, and it's like um, sometimes it's as simple as like a like a bop bop pause bop bop pause bop bop. Other times it's like bop bop pause three bops, and then another pause, and then like a couple quick bops at the end. It's and again, I don't even know how to describe like <laughs> music beats in that way, but <laughs> it's the best I could do. But like, that's where I've also come across. That's, that's been the issue. That's the only issue I've had. And I haven't, I failed it enough where I feel like if there was like a difficulty um, th- thing where it said like, Hey, you seem to be failing this. Did you know X, Y, Z? So <laughs> that hasn't happened. So I imagine like, it's just, you know, they put, all of this rhythm action into the game. And like, that was the one time where I felt like, Oh man, my inability to remember the beat is, is failing me here. <laughs> so you keep that in mind, I guess, if you're going into this one. 
It sounds like aside from that issue where you you might hit the snag remembering beats on uh, on boss battles or, or potentially mini bosses, it sounds like it's a really well thought out game design wise. Like I I love what you said about. Um, how there's always that visual visual representation in the world of what the beat is doing. Um, and, and that they sort of imply that, uh, that Chai is the only one that can see that. Like, I think stuff like that is really cool. Uh, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of Sackboy, which I, I think you talked about playing that a little bit with, um, with your kids at one point when we were talking offline and there's certain levels in in Sackboy where they use licensed tracks as well. And like everything in the background is going with the beat. And, and I just, I don't know. I think stuff like that is really cool when they incorporate it into, into design. And I, I also love the, um, the choice to have that sort of guitar hero like bar be, um, be a toggle or almost like an accessibility option um, just to make it that much easier for people that want to have, that constant like visual representation of like, here's where the beat is. If you don't feel comfortable with the musicality of this, you can just watch this and time your presses to the visual cue, um, but also have it be something that doesn't have to be there uh, that can be turned off. So anyone who is a little more comfortable with music, um, they can just rely on, on watching the trees bopping in the background or, or any of that. Like, I think all, all of that sounds, um, like really pretty impressive to me from a design perspective, just very well thought out. Um, and, and I really like it when they, it makes it, it takes it uh, or elevates it from being a gimmick into an integral part of the design that they've really, um, they've really planned and thought out and, and tried to have the player appreciate um, from, from the way that you describe it anyway. <laughs> I still have yet to play it myself, but I kind of want to check it out now. Yeah. I think you would enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a really fun game. Like I said, the story is super simple, uh, and but the dialogue is really fun. Uh, I was watching the trailer, and um, you know, I'm listening to the main voice actor. He's like, "Sounds so familiar. Like, where have I heard him before?" And it turns out he voices Spider-Man for um, I think one of the Disney XD animated series they did, and uh, uh, and and the kids were watching it because the kids were like, "Let's watch Spider-Man." And I'm like, "Okay, well, let's see what animated versions we have." And, uh, you know, they, they didn't last long with the, I think it was like the nineties or the eighties version. And I was like, well, here's the two thousands one. I've never seen it. And, uh, it's, it's the same voice actor. So it was kind of cool. And it's a very Spider-Man esque take in Mm. terms of like the voice acting. So, um, but yeah, like it's all really well done, both from like a visual standpoint, the, the, the dialogue, like all the animations, like they do physical comedy really well. Like there's one clip out there where I think it's right at the beginning and like it's after uh, Chai has the experiment done on him to, to give him the robot arm. And it's, he's like on this bed, uh, this metal bed and the bed's like slowly starts to move as if to like slide the character off the bed onto this, like onto the conveyor belt as in like, Hey, it's all done. You can move on now. And then at the last minute, the bed like just quickly shoots him off and like he lands into a wall and he's like clutching his face as he's like, Oh my God, my head. And it's, uh, again, like the animation style and the voice acting and the way that they, they like, I don't know, they just, the attention to detail is both, you know, astounding and hilarious at times. Mm. Like when the character's like, oh, I got to get dressed. So at the start, he's like running around in like, um, like a gown because he had just had this, this operation done. 
and he's running and he finds his his personal belongings which are his clothes and like it shows a montage of him putting all his clothes on and then when he gets to put his shoes on he's like he doesn't sit down to put them on he just like jams his feet into it and he gets one of the like the lips caught on the back of the shoe and it's just then like 30 seconds of him like slamming his foot on the ground to try to get the <laughs> shoe on which again we can all like we've all been there we've all done it we we'll probably still do it and it's just funny like it's little stuff like that where they just have a lot of fun with these characters and the world and stuff and yeah if you're looking for something like just just pure fun and has a great track with great you know voice acting and dialogue and, and really fun gameplay i highly suggest checking out hi-fi rush it is it is really cool and again priced at 40 bucks canadian if you don't have game pass and you want to own this one i hear it plays great on steam deck yeah i'd i'd say pick this one up for sure i wonder if it would work well like if they reported it to switch or something like that and then used um like motion controls for the beat like not that you're literally drumming but just like to shake a, a um I almost said Wiimote to shake a, a Joy-Con or try to time something like that. I wonder if that would be an interesting way for them to go with it. Um, just, I don't know, just a thought that, that I had while you were talking through it. Yeah. Yeah. It would, it would probably work really well on switch. I feel like, um, you know, I know, I know Microsoft is in a bit of hot water when it comes to like keeping their games off of other platforms. Uh, they seem to be one of the major publishers that, that is the only one that gets crap for it. But um, I feel like, I, I feel like, yeah, it would work well on switch. Um, yeah. Like I said, it plays really like I've heard it plays really well on steam deck. And honestly, I mean like, it, you know, this game, this is one of those games that I think would benefit from being on, on other platforms just because it is like a smaller title. Mm-hmm. It's not the, you know, the typical game you would uh, get from Tango Works. Like you, Tango Works is known for like its horror games, like Evil Within and and uh, Tokyo uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, which is also like a thriller slash horror genre game. So like this is kind of and they played it up in the, in the announcement trailer as this is like kind of, you know, unknown uh, from the studio. So but yeah, like I think it would benefit from being on other platforms and, you know, maybe Microsoft will port it to the switch later on once it's had its you know um you know time in the sun on on xbox exclusively console wise so but as i said it is on pc it's on pc game pass it's on steam um and also on xbox uh but yeah definitely check it out next up we're going to move into the news but before we do that i want to thank our patrons including our february patron grant thank you so much for supporting the show directly through patreon.com slash the gamers in you can go there and support the show and uh, get your name shouted out on the podcast. Thank you so much for the support, Grant. Um, we have a quick update, a couple updates that actually, uh, you know, feed right into having Travis here as a guest because our first one is an update for TGI Game Club. I want to first of all thank uh, Smiley Chris for leading our Portal Game Clubs. Uh, we just wrapped up Portal 2 and uh, had a great time revisiting that one including having the final song stuck in my head i had to replay it like 20 times in order to fully uh wrap it up in up there in my head so (laughs) now that that's done uh i really enjoyed revisiting those games so again thank you so much to to smiley chris for for leading those discussions but travis i'll let you take the reins here because you're going to be leading our next tgi game club which starts this sunday uh, september February 12th. (laughs) So what are we doing next? 
Yeah, so we are playing Jedi Fallen Order in preparation for Jedi Survivor's release in April. Um, we were trying to fit it in uh, before, I think it was a March 17th-ish uh, release initially, and then last week, right before we were going to start Game Club, um, <laughs> they made an announcement that the game was being pushed till April. So that's fine. Let's just be a little bit more leisurely as we work our way through. Um, but yeah, so Jedi Fallen Order. Um, first discussion is going to be this sunday which i believe is the 12th yes um this 12th so we're going to be talking about our first milestone we're playing up through the initial planet uh, and then bagana which follows and going up as far as uh, entering the the first temple um which should be between two and three hours gameplay depending on uh, uh, skill level and how much exploration you're doing um, so that's where we're going to stop for this uh, this week and start the discussion on Sunday. And then we'll be picking up from there, um, going from uh, from Sunday to Sunday. And uh, I will post the next milestone um, this weekend whenever we open the discussion. Cool. Yeah, looking forward to it. I've already played my session uh, for the for the week. I'm playing on PlayStation 5, but... Uh, folks at home can play on Xbox, PC, uh, Steam Deck. You can play through EA Desktop or EA Play or Steam or you know whatever Origin, even if you wanted to. Uh, so many options, and I mean, if you manage to pick it up on PS Plus like I did uh, in February, that's that's how I'm playing it now. So I originally played it on Xbox. I figured, hey, I have all the achievements or the achievements that I can easily get. Uh, I kind of gave up the life of hunting <laughs> trophies mm. and achievements, but I do like when they pop. So uh, I, I figured I'd play on PlayStation to uh, relive those achievement days with Jedi Fallen Order. So yeah, I'm excited to revisit that one. And uh, we have some breathing room. We don't have to necessarily worry about <laughs> wrapping it up before Survivor, which did get delayed to the end of April. Um. Our next uh, little update here is an Extra Life update. I have set in stone our Elden Ring stream, which will be happening uh, this Friday, February 10th, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. I'll be joined by Travis and Elsie from the Discord, and uh, we will enter the world of Elden Ring. Um, yeah, I'll be streaming twitch.tv slash RyanMurphyCA. I, I really don't know what to expect. I I, I did, uh, we were running some tests. Um, we're going to be uh, streaming from the PlayStation 5 using both share, screen share and streaming. That was the thing we were trying to test out. Can I screen share to my PlayStation party, which is going to be yourself and LC, but also stream to Twitch at the same time? Turns out you can. I kind of expected that to be like, limited uh because it's you know consoles are it's kind of like you can do this one thing and if you want to do another thing you got to shut down that other thing you know it, it always seemed like it'd be limited but it's not so that works out quite well and if i i need help i can always uh virtually pass the controller to uh <laughs> travis or lc we tested that as well so i don't know how much i'll need of that in the beginning uh but actually it is it it is a dark souls s game so i probably will need it <laughs> in the beginning uh if i find myself turned around or facing um a giant knight of some kind i don't know I don't well know that'll happen Th that'll happen for sure there's definitely a giant knight like figure that you'll see 
within the first hour, depending unless you spend two hours creating your character, which is also a possibility. But it should be a great time. I know Elsie and I um, are both very excited. We've both played um, played through Elden Ring. Um, I've gone through multiple times at this point. So looking forward to to seeing Ryan's reactions and in fresh eyes, and just trying to help him on his journey and see how far we can uh, we can get and. Uh, again, I'm not sure. Ryan, did you mention that this was uh, an extra life related uh, stream? This was because you were able to hit your extra life goal. Yeah, so I hit uh, my fifteen hundred dollar goal thanks to uh, lovely donations uh, from Elsie as well. He kind of put us uh, over the top there to, to get this milestone. So um, it is it is related to our extra life 2022 campaign, I guess I can call it. And uh, yeah, I'll be streaming live. Friday, starting at eight at twitch.tv slash Ryan Murphy CA. We got it all sorted out. Um, yeah, I, I am looking forward to it because I've had the game shrink wrapped since like November because I bought it uh, for around Black Friday, I believe, last year. And then I finally, you know, took the saran wrap off once we hit the goal, installed it on the PlayStation. So it, it's been sitting. And honestly, like I, you know, as much as I have, like, you know, we have so many games we can play. I like to uh, at least try a game like right away. So it's been right. it's been it's been interesting to watch my brain be like, no, I can't try that until we are ready to stream. I'm starting from scratch. We won't spend a lot of time creating our character, but we will spend some time. You know, uh, I'm not going to kill like an hour of the stream making a character. I'll probably like work my way through it pretty quick. I think we've already established that I want to try to give the character uh, big giant eyebrows. Um, so I don't know why it was the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> when we were, we were joking around about character creation. Um, but yeah, I know there are a lot of options, but we will not kill the whole stream doing that. Um, we'll, we'll do it's, some other it's stuff. really, it's a pretty crazy character creator. I know I've seen some wild builds, things that people have done and, uh, you can do things like change the skin color and things like that. Um, and I don't necessarily just mean like, you know, lighten or darken it. I mean, like you can go blue or green, and there's uh, there's one particular weapon that you get where you you will roll into an enemy to attack them, or it might be a weapon art or something like that. And some people have done playthroughs where they turn their character blue, set up a certain hairstyle, and they play the game as Sonic, where they just roll around <laughs> trying to like roll into a ball and attack people as a blue ball. Uh, so should be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure um, we probably won't go that far, but um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what you, what you do with the eyebrows. If you go yeah. full Eugene Levy or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to see what we can do and we're going to have fun doing it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm glad all of our tests worked. So um, we have a very Nintendo focused, uh, news section here and we are before we get to the direct we're going to start with the real news which is that hbo is going to be bringing uh another video game adaptation uh, to the world and this is a uh, mario kart uh this is a very real trailer that did not appear on snl uh this past saturday but it is going to be starring uh pedro pascal as mario uh and like i said very real it's a gritty take on mario kart this is actually happening. Don't worry. I know a lot of the cast look like they're from SNL, but that's totally a coincidence. Right, Travis? For sure. I mean, I, I just, man, I love Pedro Pascal. I just, he is fantastic in everything that I've seen him in. And just that first entrance when the, the camera is creeping up on him over the shoulder and he just gets that, it's a me, Mario. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, he pulled it off. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
forget Chris Pratt, bring in Pedro Pascal right now. Um, no, I'm sure Pratt will be just fine. I, I, I don't actually <laughs> want him, um, want him replaced, but I was very impressed with his ability to sell, um, that entire situation. Uh, the trailer looked great. I really enjoyed, uh, enjoyed what it had to offer. Yeah. It, it's a very fun take. And obviously we've seen the parody trailers from SNL for Nintendo properties and other properties as well. And I think like, I think my, the reason Pedro Pascal is just so lovable is that he just, he is having fun in everything you see him doing, like the behind the scenes stuff. He's just having a blast and he may be shooting the most difficult adaptation you'd ever like, like the last of us is a very tough show. I'm imagining like just based on watching it, I can just imagine how, how difficult it is to shoot that and to get into the, into character and, and to, to show that type of emotion on screen and but you know between takes he's just he's having a he's having a blast and he's just he, he seems like a really fun guy to hang around with and uh and I know like just based on this trailer like I I know he was probably having just too much fun doing this stuff and um yeah I and I know like I've had these conversations with folks like when he was cast as Joel it's like man it just feels like he's in everything it's like but he really isn't like he's just in he's he's not in everything. He's just he's in the Mandalorian, obviously, but he's he doesn't pop up as much as other people do. Like, I think the the, the idea that Chris Pratt is in everything, I think we can make that argument more than we can make the argument of, <laughs> you know, Pedro Pascal being in everything. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's so fun to watch. And if you have not seen the unbearable weight of massive talent where it's him and Nicolas Cage uh, in a film like definitely see it it is hilarious it i i'm not even like a huge nicholas cage fan but and i was you know apprehensive about watching that but like honestly both of them are fantastic in that movie so it's not at all video game related but it's you gotta watch it it's it's very good um and again just to go back to pedro pascal and his performance in it um you know you're used to seeing him do like heavier roles like joel and things like that or or um when he was the viper in game of thrones and you're used to seeing that and he he really shows uh some great comedic moments in in the Nicolas cage movie as well so again props to him um Really appreciate everything that I've seen him doing lately. So, uh, and check out the, that the movie with the difficult title that Ryan just mentioned. I will butcher it if I try to repeat it. So, it's <laughs> good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I can't remember actor names, but hey, uh, that Nicholas <laughs> Cage film. <laughs> yep. Uh, I think I think it's um, unbearable weight of massive talent, but I, I could be wrong because it is like a very long title. So, uh, but you'll find it. Pedro Pascal, uh, Nicholas Cage. Now, um, we've got. The reason we delayed the show is because there was a Nintendo Direct, uh, and it it finished today. It was on at five, and it was a big one. Usually, the February one is kind of big, but like they're focusing on games coming out in the next six months, so we're likely not to get another Direct until like the June timeframe around E three. This is going to basically bring Nintendo into the summer season. And um, they had a lot of uh, new games, a lot of games they've brought back because obviously there's been some delays and and uh, some games that that weren't released yet. But like, let's start with the big one. What ended the show, which was The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, uh, got a new gameplay trailer. I saw Twitter was trending that Matthew Mercer is going to be voicing Ganon. A lot of people are 
really stoked about that. Um, but uh, we also got a collector's edition and a new Amiibo was shown off for Tears of the Kingdom. Now, are you a? Did you play Breath of the Wild? Are you a big Zelda fan? Are you looking forward to this uh, follow up? I I did and I am. Um, but and actually, my my wife played it as well, which she's not normally a big gamer. Um, but I remember, so we bought the Switch um, or received the Switch as a family Christmas gift one year, and uh, and I picked up both the the Zelda games that were on it at the time, Breath of the Wild and um, and Link's Awakening. And she had never played a Zelda game before, uh, so I recommended she try Link's Awakening first since it was more traditional. Um, and she played through that in about a week and then immediately jumped into Breath of the Wild and could not put it down until she finished it. Um, so she absolutely loved it. I had a really good time with it as well. Uh, I, like most people, am not a huge fan of the the weapons breaking. Um, it doesn't bother me as much as a lot of people. I'm just like, I would just prefer that that not be <laughs> the mechanic. Um, and I, I tend to gravitate more towards the traditional, um, you know, eight dungeons, however many, uh, Zelda set up, but I did have a really good time with breath of the wild, went through, did all the shrines, um, and did finish the game. Love the art style. Um, the music was great. Um, such, such as it was, there's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of ambiance, uh, and, very, very light music, but the pieces that are there, I really enjoyed. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to this and the, uh, the new trailers look great and it's not doing anything to, to deter me. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, speaking of deterring you, uh, this is also going to be Nintendo's, uh, first 69.99 priced game. Uh, it is a $10 increase of the sort of base price we've been used to paying for, uh, for Nintendo Switch games, and I know I keep jumping between you know U.S. pricing and Canadian pricing, but sixty nine ninety nine is the American pricing, seventy ninety nine is the, uh, the Canadian pricing. Um, they didn't, or no, sorry, eighty nine ninety nine is the Canadian pricing. Uh, it is it is expensive. Um, this is obviously it's in line with what you know Sony and Microsoft are now doing, or Sony did from the beginning of the PlayStation Five. Microsoft that is now shifting to in twenty twenty three to have um, $89.99 games here in Canada and, and uh, $69.99 in America. So it's um, they didn't really provide like a reason for it, uh, Nintendo, as far as I know. I mean, again, the Direct was just a few hours ago, but like they didn't really provide a reason for it uh, PR-wise. It is the only game so far from Nintendo that has that price tag. They announced other games like uh, Pikmin 4 and um, uh, Advance Wars, which are coming out this year, they still carry the traditional, you know, $59.99 price tag in the uh, US dollars. So, like, that's still unknown, whether it's, like, is it just prestige Nintendo games, like the newest Marios and Zeldas that are going to be more expensive? Is it, like, a case-by-case? We honestly don't know. But uh, the collector's edition that was announced will be priced at $129 American, It'll have a physical version of the game, an art book, a steel book, uh, a steel poster, which I've never, never heard of of those. So you have an what's called an icon art steel poster, and a set of four pin badges. So um, you can also spend a little bit, even even more money, on Zelda. 
So yeah, everyone, everyone get your wallets ready. This is, this is the part of the show where we talk about how you're going to be spending money for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. From a Nintendo perspective, like this is honestly, like in terms of this direct and what Nintendo is offering on this seven year old console, uh, it is, it is kind of crazy that, uh, that they are still supporting it. And it's like, this is not like, the tail end like this is not how how a, a nintendo system usually concludes its generation right like this this still feels like nintendo supporting it like it's in it's in the middle of its life cycle and i know nintendo said that but it's it's interesting to see them put the software to to that uh that sort of explanation um the next one that they have here is uh finally finally metroid prime remastered is real and it's out today if you are uh, wanting to purchase it digitally. Um, there was no mention of Metroid Prime 4 or the remasters or re-releases of Metroid Prime 2 and 3. Those were sort of, this. they were focusing on Metroid Prime Remastered. It is real. You can purchase it on the eShop today for uh, $40 US. So it is discounted, which is nice because this isn't like a, this isn't like a remake. It's just a remaster, but it looks really great. Um, and, uh, it's got dual stick controls, unlike the GameCube version, which, which I don't know. It did not have dual stick controls. It was more of like a lock on game. So, um, yeah. And if you want to buy it physically, you'll have to wait till the 22nd. So whirlwind's going to have to wait until the 22nd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, Travis, you a fan of Metroid prime? Are you going to pick this one up? I, I don't know. Um, I really want to, uh, but I'm kind of, I've mixed feelings about it. So I've been waiting. Um, the switch is the first Nintendo console that I've had since the SNES. Um, so I did not get to experience Metroid prime the first time around. I've always wanted to check it out, always been interested. And I know they had, um, the trilogy version on was the Wii U, uh, either the Wii or Wii U had Metroid prime trilogy. So I'm a little bit disappointed to see that this is only Metroid Prime 1. Um, if it if they had released the trilogy, I would have bought it today. Um, and I'm just not quite sure. I mean, the uh, the $40 price point is is more reasonable, um, so that's not too bad. And I'm just kind of like, I, do I jump into this knowing I can't play the other two if I really enjoy it? I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. So uh, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I might pick it up. I might wait for a sale. Um, not sure how I'm going to approach it, but I did think the game looked great and it is a title that I've been interested in and hoping that they would port over to the Switch for quite some time. So chances are I'll end up playing it at some point. Um, but I, I'm happy to see that it got announced and I the gameplay looked great. It looked really smooth. Um, I, I didn't obviously play it on original hardware. I can't imagine playing a game like that without the twin stick support. Like that just seems like that's how the game is supposed to be played. Um, so I'm glad that that was added. And uh, I'm also glad that I, I won't have to experience it a different way and try to figure out how any of that works. Um, but yeah, excited for that one. That was, that was probably one of the, the high points of the presentation for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I think I'll probably wait a little bit. But like it's, I think it's decently priced. You know, forty bucks. That's yeah, that's not too bad. Uh, I think that's. I think it needed to be discounted. I think there was a worry that like, oh man, are they going to try to sell us Metroid Prime One, Two, and Three separately for eighty bucks each? Like that's that's a high ask. But uh, yeah. I think remastering One, Two, and Three, if that's the route they take, is a good approach to getting everyone ready for Metroid Prime Four, which is 
as far as I know, still a real game. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But again, like they are focusing just on the first uh, six or so months. Um, they also gave us another look at Pikmin 4 and confirmed it was going to be coming July 21st. So we have a date for that. Um, it looks like more Pikmin. I like Pikmin, <laughs> uh, but I know everyone doesn't like Pikmin. It, it's not everyone's jam, but um, they did show off a new Pikmin, which is the ice Pikmin that can freeze enemies or bodies of water. So that's that's cool. New Pikmin, right? New Pikmin? Anyone? Just me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have not played Pikmin myself, um, but I, I know some people, as you said, um, you know, you really love it. And I know some others that do. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's a thing. Uh, it's just not something that I'm familiar enough <laughs> with really to have strong opinions on. So I hope you, I hope you pick it up as soon as it comes out and you have the experience you were looking for from a new Pikmin title. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I and the three others who like Pikmin will, uh, will be jumping on a conference call later today to <laughs> discuss our excitement. So <laughs> I, I might be able to introduce you to one more. I, I know someone who um, her profile icon or avatar, whatever it's called on switch is the yellow Pikmin. Um, so I know at least one person who likes it enough to make it uh, what they look at every time they log into their switch. <laughs> there you go. Well, there you go. There are more of us. There are dozens of us. Um, uh, the next uh, little bit here is a long-awaited addition to Nintendo Switch Online and Expansion Pass is that Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games have, have been added. As of today, I was actually playing them before we, we started recording to Nintendo Switch Online. Um, a pretty good offering right off the bat in terms of the games that are included here. Uh, it is important to note that Game Boy games are available to all Nintendo Switch subscribers. Uh, the Game Boy Advance games are locked to the expansion pass, so you will have to pay the additional um, upgrade fee to pay for their higher tier of access. But, you know, like, they, in typical fashion, they released a batch of games right off the bat and then previewed, you know, games that would come down the road. Uh, typically, they release a couple per platform each month uh for the n64 they do one a month which is like the slowest drip feed you could ever experience <laughs> but uh hey they finally got 007 on there so there you go um you know great games like uh minish cap uh for game boy advance you've got minish cap you've got super mario advance <laughs> super mario advance 4 super mario bros 3 like is that not the most <laughs> weirdest titling <laughs> i was watching yeah watching the direct i was trying to figure out what it was i was like wait is this a, is this just like a port of mario 3 or what what am i what am i looking at here exactly Look, you uh, shouldn't yeah, be able to complain being the final fantasy fan like <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> i'm not complaining i and i hey i spent years trying to figure out what was going on with final fantasy <laughs> um no, and, and it looked, uh, again, I'm just, I'm not familiar with uh, a lot of the handheld titles. Um, so again, it, it looked like it played really well. Um, if I if I do end up sub subbing, uh, <laughs> which might be a possibility in the near future here, um, it, it might be something that I check out just to see how, how some of those GBA uh, Mario titles played. Yeah, and the cool part about the Game Boy is that each Game Boy game is going to be playable in the Game Boy uh, and 
Game Boy Color filters. They might have mentioned Game Boy Pocket as well. Yeah, so you can play based on how they looked on Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, and Game Boy Color. And there are differences across the board. Um, So you'll be able to experience them across that sort of, uh, you know, the whole spectrum of of the Game Boy offering. And um, a great game that they've already, I think that is already up there, is Super Mario Land 2 Six Golden Coins, which was the introduction of Wario fantastic game boy game honestly like all these games when i think about playing nintendo games back in the day like portable was where we played a lot of them and uh, i had the the purple sort of game boy advance that didn't have the backlit screen so of course you had to have like you know the additional peripherals so you could actually see the damn thing um and then after that they added backlight uh screens so that was that was very useful but um yeah, I'm excited. I feel like uh, I feel like Nintendo with the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance have kind of hit sort of the easy editions and the the cost effective editions from the Nintendo standpoint. So like where they go from here, you know, do they add Nintendo DS? Do they try to figure out how that works? Uh, like that was that they had those as paid games on on the Wii U, but like. Do they go further from here? Do they just stick with what they've got? Like, obviously, they still got more N64 stuff to add, more Genesis, and obviously these two new platforms with Game Boy and Game Boy Advance. It'll be interesting to see as they go further. I would love to see GameCube added. Uh, I feel like if they got around to GameCube, that would be like the final sort of premium tier. Uh, But it is nice to see that they are continuing to add to the base subscription as well. So I think this is a good split. Um, I think Game Boy Advance is going to get more people into the expansion pass than we think. Uh, certainly more than than the N sixty four. So I have been waiting. Uh, I've been waiting and hoping for that uh, that Twilight Princess and Wind Waker collection port to switch. Ever since I bought it, um, Twilight Princess I think is the only one of like the main six or seven Zelda games, like the, the console only ones, uh, Twilight Princess is the only one that I haven't played. So if they do decide to add some sort of GameCube edition and can bring those over, um, that would certainly get me to sign up. I would be all on board for that because I'm starting to lose hope that, uh, that a true switch port is actually ever going to happen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm with you. GameCube would be great. Uh, there's a lot of great games on GameCube that they'd have to, to choose from to add to the service. Um, and speaking of, uh, you know, you've got, uh, delays and, and, and remakes, you've got Advance Wars one plus two bootcamp, uh, was delayed from last year. I, I think it was actually supposed to release in April and, and got pushed, uh, a year. So almost a year exactly. So it's, so it's going to be releasing on Nintendo switch, April 21st, 2023. Um, this is a, uh, sort of a remake of the original Advance Wars games on GBA, and uh, I imagine they'll probably time Advance Wars on GBA for uh, Nintendo Switch Online, you know, marketing synergy and all that fun stuff around April. Um, they also uh, revealed Wave. So this is where we get into the DLC portion of the Nintendo Direct. <laughs> um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe got a preview of its Wave 4, which adds uh, Birdo as a special character. And I've seen online that... Uh, Continuing with further waves, they're going to be adding new characters uh, to the roster of racers. I mean, this is already the biggest Mario Kart game out there. I think it's like they're adding like pretty much a whole additional Mario Kart game 
for for the for the DLC. And if you are an expansion pass subscriber, you you get you have access to this now. Um, they they launched with the expansion pass this sort of a booster pack they call it booster course pack. So uh, more Mario Kart Eight fun coming your way. Uh, Splatoon Three is getting an expansion pass. It was. Uh, part of it looked like it would be an additional story, which is going to be called Side Order. But the first wave is like, I think it's just like a remake of the Inkopolis, which was like the hub world for Splatoon 1. And that's pretty much what it looks like. I don't know who that's f- for. Like, do we do you, I guess nostalgia, you want to run through like this Wii U's hub world. But it kind of feels like that initial offering of DLC that's like, you know, here's the quick thing we can we can release to get people to buy the expansion pass. But the real deal is coming with this like expansion coming later this year, which is the mm. story expansion. So I don't know. Are you a big fan of Splatoon One? Are you gonna are you gonna pick up Incopolis the for the I, DLC? <laughs> I I am not. I have no connection to uh, to Splatoon whatsoever. I generally I, I don't do a lot of those sort of multiplayer centric games and i i realize you're saying there's a campaign involved too but i just i i think of all, all the multiplayer and uh, and watching you and joss play for extra life and stuff like that when i think of uh of splatoon so i'll probably pass on uh on that one but again i know it's another one of those titles that a lot of folks get excited about so hopefully it does well yeah for sure um other expansion pass details so they uh, showed off um, more that was going to be arriving from uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. They detailed the Volume 3 uh, edition, which is coming later this month, uh, actually next week, is going to have a new hero. But they also gave us a teaser for the Volume 4, which is going to be the uh, new story scenario. And Twitter is, a, well, Discord as well, is ablaze with, who are these characters? They look an awful <laughs> lot like Shulk from Xenoblade Chronicles 1, and Rex from Xenoblade Chronicles 3, and possibly Noah from, wait, no, sorry, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and Noah from Xenoblade Chronicles 3. So, like, is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? Is it something completely different? And these characters are all just, like, in there because of simulation reasons? Like, it's all possible, really. So... Well, see, yeah. for Xenoblade, as I understand it, there's these things called emblems. And when you use the <laughs> emblem, you can summon a former game's hero or something like that. Is that right? I, <laughs> Am I, I crossing mean, my games here? No, I'm kidding. You are. You um, are. But that is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> the, the next one is Fire Emblem Engage's <laughs> DLC, which they, again, they went through. This is This goes back to the conversation of, like, there was news that Fire Emblem Engage was, like, pretty much done. And Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was pretty much done bef- way before they were set to release. I mean, we saw Xenoblade Chronicle 3 actually got bumped up three months uh, in terms of release date. But they actually previewed the rest of the DLC for Fire Emblem Engage with new, new DLC that's out today, which is going to include... Uh, um, they've kind of mixed these up, but it's going to include Hector, Soren, and Camilla as emblems. And then Wave 3 is going to have Krom, Robin, and Veronica who is from Fire Emblem Heroes. And then uh, Wave 4 is going to be a new story, and they showed all of this in the Direct to basically be like, okay, you, you Ryan, still haven't purchased this $40 uh, of, of Fire Emblem DLC? Well, here is everything you're going to get. How do you feel now? And uh, my answer is maybe. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's like, let me get past Zelda first. Yeah. yeah. Let me let Mario me make sure Mario. I can buy all the Zelda stuff and then maybe I'll circle back on, on Fire Emblem. But uh I, I do I do love like the idea of like a lot of people complain about DLC and I and I get that. But like I think if you have an idea of what all this DLC is going to be, I like the idea of like, okay, here's a teaser of everything that's coming. Like you know, we might not have it quite done yet, but here's everything you're going to get. And while still keeping a lot of surprises for when you play it, but like to basically say like, here are all the extra emblems you're going to get. And then here's a quick tease of the story. I think that's the right way to sell an expansion pass in my, in my opinion, it might not be marketing's opinion, but it's, but it's my opinion. It seems for Fire Emblem, it seems so quick to me. Just um, I feel like the game was just released and already and I'm, I'm not saying that to take a shot at the developers like, oh, you should have put it on the cart. Like, no, I'm not doing that. I just it's more just um, I guess that I'm impressed with how quickly they've been able to to <laughs> to plan and package the DLC for a game that just came out a month ago maybe like almost right on a month ago i think um, uh actually it was only a couple of weeks ago it was like january 20th i believe so it was like three weeks ago yeah so it's crazy to me that we're hearing about dlc for that already um but i i like fire emblem games a lot i love three houses um prior to that the only one that i played was uh path of radiance so i don't have a lot of experience with the um with the franchise but i really enjoy um the the gameplay loop for the <clears throat> for those games so happy to see that it's getting support and uh i don't know i i haven't jumped in to to engage yet um i have a a long trip coming in where i'm going to be spending a lot of time in, in trains and planes so i'm thinking uh, i might pick up engage before that to uh, take it with me to distract me from <laughs> 14 hour plane rides and things like that um so it's uh i don't, I don't know i'm excited about it and the thought of um Hey, if I really enjoy it, I can look right now and see there's all this extra content that I can get into if I am looking for more once I'm finished. Um, that's that's an exciting, uh, exciting prospect for me. Cool. Yeah, no, that, I mean, it's a really good travel game. I think Fire Emblem being turn based, save anywhere, put into sleep mode. It, it fits really well with that uh, that gameplay. I mean, obviously, there was a lot in this direct. It was one of the bigger ones it was over 40 minutes uh we could we could continue to go those are the big hits like is there anything that kind of stood out to you as as um something else to touch on like i think those were the big ones for sure yeah i i agree i mean to me the big ones were metroid prime zelda and fire emblem um aside from that there's uh i've been kind of following a game called sea of stars for a little while um oh, okay. they touched on that um some of the creators behind uh, chrono trigger or at least the the, the i think it's the composer that was involved with Chrono Trigger um, is working on that, so I'm I'm excited to to see that when it comes out. And uh, the I I'm not a Dead Cells person. I haven't played it, but I thought crossing that with um, with Castlevania was a really clever idea um, to just sort of bring those two things together. And and seeing seeing that gameplay and hearing the Castlevania music um, going with that, I'm. Um, I don't know. Castlevania, I think, has really great music, so it just it seemed like a, a great pairing. Um, I thought that was a clever way to bring those two franchises together. And uh, and the other, the only other noteworthy thing off the top of my head was uh, was the Bayonetta spinoff. Um, I just thought it looked really unique and interesting. Like it was kind of a cool idea to to hear more about a Bayonetta origin story, and then the gameplay is. Um, 
it, it appears to be a much more cutesy presentation and a, a totally different gameplay loop from the other Bayonetta games. And I just, I thought that was interesting and, and worth mentioning at least. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I think that Bayonetta spin up. I have not had a chance to play Bayonetta 3 yet. I think it was just like a really, I mean, Nintendo had a lot of games coming out last year and I can only play so many, but uh, yeah, I, again, like a, a very busy direct. I, I hope fans are, are good for a couple months. I know everyone loves their Nintendo Directs. I love Nintendo Directs, but I think that this is a this is a good chunk of uh content to keep us busy into the summer months. So hopefully Nintendo still has their like June direct around E3. I think they did last year. Um uh so yeah. So that's the Nintendo Direct and and that is gonna do it for the gamers in this week. Uh, if you want to join in on the conversation, you can go to our Discord, uh, bit.ly slash TGI Discord, where you'll find myself, you'll find Travis. Uh, but there are probably other places where you can find Travis on the internet. Uh, Travis, where where are those places? Yeah, as Ryan said, you can uh, you can reach out to me in the Discord, or you can find me on uh, on Facebook and Instagram. I have art pages. That's at Pixel Mountain Pop Art. Um, I do some uh, some really a lot of video game related uh, pixel art and portraits and things like that. You can check out some of my artwork or just drop me a message and say, hi. Yeah. I have some of your pixel artwork right here. Actually. It's a, it's a master sword and, and Hyrulean shield. So uh, yeah. And then there's another, there's another one I think behind me, which is, which is link from, I think links awakening maybe, or no, no, no. What's the SCN link to the past. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So, uh, very good stuff. Definitely check that out. We'll have links in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much, Travis, for jumping on the show and helping me cover all this fun Nintendo stuff, as well as taking us through your platinum adventures with Avengers and uh, Strangers of Paradise and, and Whirlwind, of course, um, who was your uh, platinum uh, co-op adventurer as well, I guess. Uh, yeah. You both Avengers. got your platinums. That's what that's what matters, right? You, you, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I, <laughs> I I commented to Whirlwind when we finished Avengers. I was just like, yay, I platinumed Avengers. On the other hand, I platinumed Avengers. Like, yeah. I spent so much time and effort doing that. I don't know if I should be proud of that or embarrassed by it. <laughs> um, but it's it's a thing that I did, uh, and it, may, it makes for good discussion on podcasts. So at least there's that. <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, you can also find more of our podcasts at gamersinpodcast.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find uh, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, uh, myself at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at the Gamers Inn. And Travis, you're on Twitter as well. What's the Twitter again? I I was uh, I was going to mention it, and I'm like, oh, I I don't want to get it wrong, so I'll ask Travis. Yeah, actually, I I am on Twitter. I very rarely use it. You can just search for me. Uh, it's Travis Mountain on Twitter. I'm not sure what the handle is, but I'm sure it'll come up that way if yeah, if you just search my name. That that should work too. Well, there you go. Uh, and yes, thank you so much for staying at the Gamers Inn. Be sure to tune in next week. Have a great nintendo you know purchasing spree uh and hopefully you can get that cool collector's edition actually i think it's all sold out <laughs> to be honest so yeah anyways uh good luck nonetheless the amiibo looks great too you can always grab that as a consolation prize if you didn't get the collector's edition yeah if you can't spend 200 at least spend 20 there you there go. you go all right <laughs> goodbye everybody bye everyone <laughs>